0: Thank you, Nathan. Thank you, worship team. Let me welcome um, all of our online viewers and, of course, those who are in person. Today we'll be, as Nathan said, celebrating the biblical ideals behind Dr. Martin Luther King and Right to Life Sunday. And because our nation has grown so polarized in recent years, it will be very tempting this morning to interpret this teach through political lenses. So let me begin with a a word of warning from Pastor Ricky Floyd, our dear brother and senior pastor of the Pursuit of God Church in Memphis, Tennessee. He said this on one of his staff visits. He said, and I quote, the fastest growing denominations, and we didn't add this, but he said this, sadly, sadly in the church are political parties. So before we dive into these two highly charged topics, I, I want us to be very clear. This is not about us trying to, to be a certain flavor of politics. Not even close. This is about us living in the story of God and obeying the word of God. The stories told by today's political parties will not ever stand the test of time, the word of God will, and the story of God will. And so that is what we want to be faithful to. Pastor, author, and Bible teacher Timothy Keller has this to say about how the church should respond to important, biblical, somewhat controversial issues. He says, and I quote, here is my reading of the Bible. My reading of the Bible says that Christians ought to be sold out for racial Justice. All races are equal. All people are created in the image of God. We talked about that in our series, The Story of God. Come, let us, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, make men, women in our image. They should be deeply concerned about the poor and the marginalized. They should be pro life and they should believe that sex should only be between a man and a woman. In marriage now those four things the early church was marked by them we know that two of those look very conservative two of those look very liberal so right now what's happening since those four things are never combined in any political party they're not combined in any other institution except Catholic social teaching and, you know, biblical Christianity. And so what happens, there is enormous pressure everywhere in the country for churches to major on two of them and be quiet on two of them. At New High Church, we want to preach the whole counsel of God's word. The Apostle Paul said this to his Protege, the young pastor Timothy, second Timothy chapter four and verse one. I find it interesting. The language he uses, it's declarative. It's a statement of declaration that says, let's get serious about the word of God. He says, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead. Wow. And in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season. Like when it's in season, everyone's preaching the word. Woo-hoo! Culture is for us. Let's preach the word. Out of season. That's when the rubber meets the road. Right? Correct. Rebuke. Encourage. Do this with great patience and careful instruction. So at New Heights Church, we have chosen to speak about all four of those issues. Today, we'll speak about two of them. If you come back or you watch on online or other Sundays or attend one of our equipped classes, at some point, you'll hear us address the other two. But for today, we'll talk about the sanctity of human life and racial justice. So let me make a declaration right now that comes from Our church from our leadership from our elders and I want you to see it behind me on this sanctity of human life Sunday we affirm from God's Word and along with thousands of other churches that every human being from conception on is an image bearer of God stamped with divine dignity and worthy of protection and tomorrow We recognize the incredible impact that Dr. Martin Luther King had in our country in helping to establish the dignity of every person, regardless of skin color. So, let's start this morning by affirming the value and dignity of all human life, born and unborn. Consider these passages of Scripture. Psalm 139 and verse 13, King David says, By inspiration of the Holy Spirit for you, you, God, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame, verse 15, it was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. To me, this is the strongest statement on God's prenatal care in the Bible. How much does God... Know about the unborn baby growing in the womb. Everything. And like a skillful weaver, God takes those tiny hands and legs and he joins them to the body. He forms the heart and he sets it to beating. He watches over the thumb and makes sure it finds the baby's mouth. Who makes babies? God does. Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5 God says to the prophet, before I formed you in the womb, I I knew you. Let's wrap our minds around that for just a second. Before Jeremiah was even conceived in his mother's womb, the eternal God was thinking about him. It gets better. Before you were born, I set you apart. God is like, I had a plan for you. Even before you were conceived, I was thinking about you. I had a plan for you. So who gives life? God does. Who causes the unborn baby to survive inside the womb? God does. Who takes the little hands and feet and eyes and nose and lips and assembles them together as a masterpiece in the mother's womb? God does. So if we believe the Bible, then we believe in the sanctity of all human life, born And unborn from the moment of conception, a distinct individual has come into being, an individual made in the image of God, an individual with a soul, an individual for whom Christ died, an individual for whom God has a purpose on their life. And in these very interesting times, we must say that to ourselves and say it often. This morning, I'd like to show us a video of June Lawrence. June is the wife of one of our elders, John Lawrence, and she has served on our staff for over 10 years in children's ministry as our care pastor. She's now the director of of Rachel Ministries, the ministry that helps to provide spiritual and emotional peace for those women who've had an abortion. And we asked June, or, or Miss June, as she likes to be called, to share her very own personal story about her abortion. Myself and other communications team um, members filmed her last week. That means Josh Graber and Joel Story actually did all the filming and the editing, and I just asked off-camera questions. But we felt honor, honored to hear her story and experience her transparency, and I want you to experience that that now.
1: grew up in church, in a Baptist church. I wouldn't say I wasn't strong in my faith. Went to church all the time. Um, Worked in Sunday school because I love teaching and always did. And um, was just there, but I didn't get it. And so not having a strong faith, I had the strong foundation was there, but just not going that next step made me vulnerable to this world. And um, went to college um, at the university, loved it. Uh, Met my husband now, Jack, John, John Lawrence, who's an elder here. And um, we started dating, dated about a year, and we had a crisis pregnancy. Um, It was 74. We didn't know much. We did not know much. And so we opted for abortion and um, we had the abortion and never really spoke about it. I shut it down as long as I could and never talked about it. And then Through the years, I think I suffered in silence. There's so many of us that do. I was ashamed. I was guilty. How could I um, get rid of a precious life? And I, I continued that pattern. And I tried to do things for Christ. You know, I'm going to do all these wonderful things and work hard for Him and so i'm going to feel better and and be okay no um i went through healing and um actually with a priest that i had known from childhood and i trusted because i wouldn't have told that to anybody but someone i had to trust and knew that that secret was with them Um, And so I told him and we started walking and I started healing and I started becoming stronger. And through that, time goes on. Um, Then I go into, I become a, a part of the staff here. I'm in children's ministry. Um, Jim Hall comes to me and needs a care minister and he knew that that's what I would trained for at Fellowship. And so he put me as care minister. And we, um, the first thing I thought about was letting, having the opportunity to let uh, women go through healing. And so started looking at that, started talking about it. And so Rachel Ministry was born for post-abortion healing and um, working with them. So working with the Loving Choices, working with these ladies, I started healing even more. I could not sit here and do this interview unless I was healed. went through Loving Joyce's counseling, that's very extensive, to be a counselor, to to just work with women in crisis. I love working with those women. And the very first day that I got there, there was a couple that came from the University of Arkansas. Same story as mine and John's story, same story. So, He was sitting in the waiting room. She was back, they were doing an ultrasound. They were going to the abortion clinic as soon as they got the ultrasound done. Ultrasounds are expensive and they were paying for everything because they didn't want it on insurance. Um, They were very um, undone about the whole thing, didn't want anybody to know. He's sitting out in the room, I turned, I, kn- I knew what was going on because one of the uh, directors had told me, this is your story, and I'm like, oh my goodness. So uh, I think, okay, I'll just pray, I'll just pray. And God says, no, no, you're gonna do more. <laughs> and so I turned to the one of the people there and I said, can I go talk to him? And they said, yes, went to talk to him. We started talking, I said, let's go for a walk. Basically, I was scared I was gonna say something that I shouldn't say um, So, at, the, at Loving Choices. So I did, didn't want to do that. So we went for a walk and I told him my story. He told me, he told me their story. I told him my story and he said, but Miss June, I think it's a pinhead. And I said, well, we're going back now and there will be an ultrasound being done and they're gonna call you back and I'm gonna stand outside the door, and I'll be there if y'all want to talk after that ultrasound. Came back, it happened, just like I said. They He went in, the ultrasound was being done. The next thing I hear is, Miss June, get back here, it's not a pinhead. He had heard the heartbeat. And there it was, you know, right there. You hear it, you see it, yeah. And, um, They came out and they decided against abortion. They had a child and they got married. They had a child, praise the Lord. And that child's about 12 now. First day at Loving Choices. And I knew that I was to work with women who had, had abortions and not healed because it was just all in my face that day about an abortion. I would say to those women who have had abortions, who are experiencing that pain, Jesus loves you. He will be there with you. He wants you to heal, and then He wants to use you for His good with God. There's going to always be false, but God picks us up and He doesn't miss anything. He uses every bit of it. I would encourage this church and all, all of us, all churches, to put your time, energy, and money into pregnancy um, crisis centers, whether that's Loving Choices, which I love, um, or another another crisis pregnancy center. Get involved, help, um, give money, support. Life is so precious to God. And He wants us to realize that that is a gift, not a burden. Loving Choices, all these places, these women in crisis, the women who have suffered and um, have aborted and suffered, Every one needs those prayers. Every one of those need prayers. And so please pray, pray.
0: Ms. June also, um, she wanted me to mention, and I, I hadn't really known this part of her story till this year, at least I, I didn't remember it. She wanted me to mention that she was born in South Arkansas to a, a teenage unwed mother. And she's grateful to God and her birth mom that she wasn't aborted, but she was put up for adoption and adopted by um, a loving and caring family. Let, let me just be um, candid for just a minute. Some disclosure, full disclosure here about the church in America. I know that sometimes um, the church has not taken the burden off of the shoulders of those who've gotten pregnant and, and didn't know where to turn. Sadly, especially when it comes to the issue that we're talking about, the church in some cases has been um, unforgiving and quick to judge, condemn, and quite frankly has lacked practical, tangible solutions. Uh, I just want to say I'm, I'm sorry. Please, please forgive the church in America and just know this, um, that is not the way of Jesus. It's never been the way of Jesus, and um, it's not how we knowingly treat people here at New Heights. So if you've been with us for any amount of time or watching online, you know that we try to be what I call biblically practical. We want our faith not just to be a verbal faith, but an action faith, and so let me, let me give you some practical practical resources that may help you or may help someone else. I'll go through these slow but if for some reason um, you don't get them down, you can call the office and we'll give you whatever resource that you need. Um, so let me just walk through some of these, these resources that can be of help. Um, Rachel Ministry, Miss June, she talked about that. Uh, loving Choices, um, I love what Nathan said uh, about the power of a baby bottle. Um, some change can literally change a life. It's no joke. And so I would encourage you to go home, fill fill as many bottles up as you can with change. Um, You can stuff uh, dollar bills in there, checks, whatever. Um, It will be used for kingdom good and for eternal value. Here's another resource that I'll talk more about in just a minute. Choices Pregnancy Services. And of course, there is the Joshua Center. For those of you who don't know, we provide a substantial amount of money into our budget to help offset the cost of the Joshua Center. We think it's the best counseling center there is, and um, if for some reason you don't have the money, talk to us. Um, we'll figure out a way to make it work for you. Celebrate recovery. Um, this is a Christ Center program, as Angela said last week. That helps us deal with life's hurts, habits, and hang-ups. It meets right here on a Sunday night. Highly, highly encourage that. And then, lastly, the call. And this provides encouragement, education, and helps to equip the Christian community, to provide a hope and a future for both fostering and uh, adoption. These are all ministries that we at New Heights prayerfully and financially support. Many of you know that New Heights started Beautiful Life's boutiques. Uh, We have stores in Fayetteville and Bentonville and Salem Springs. Maybe you don't know this. The percentage of all of our profits go to parachurch ministries from all three stores. And one of those ministries is Choices Pregnancy Services. We not only give monthly to that ministry, but once a month, Beautiful Life Boutiques will highlight um, one of our ministries. And when we do that, there tends to be some response. Well, the last time we highlighted Choices Pregnancy Services, um, someone gave us $3,000, which helped them to purchase another ultrasound machine. So please know um, we want to preach the whole counsel of God's word, but we want to do something too. All right, let me transition to a second biblical issue this morning that God cares deeply about, and that is racial justice. As many of you know, we have launched a multicultural church, multiracial church in Memphis, Tennessee, with Josh Germany as our directional leader. And we could not have done it without the leadership and wisdom of two black pastors Pastors Chester Berry Hill and Ricky Floyd. And Jim and I love both these men. We love to be around them. We have been privileged to sit at their feet and learn from them. And, and as I was thinking about how to talk about the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King and racial justice in our in our country, I thought one of the best people to address this is Pastor Chester Berryhill. Um, he has literally been a part of the civil rights movement. In Memphis for over fifty years. So last Friday, I interviewed him and Josh on this subject. He is sitting next to Josh in the in the video I'm about to show. He is the pastor of the historic First Baptist Lauderdale Church in Memphis, Tennessee. Pastor Barry Hill has not only served faithfully in the armed forces, but he has served as a pastor for over forty-two years in Memphis. And for the last two years, he has served on our leadership team for New Heights Memphis. He's one of our one of our elders, so to speak. So. Take a look.
2: Yeah, well, thank you guys so much, first of all, for uh, being willing to plant a church in Memphis. Um, I I think, honestly, that's an answer to a long list of prayers that have been on my heart for a long time. The church in Memphis is a divided church for the most part, Uh, not just ethnically. That's one of the easier ways to kind of look at it. But there have been a lot of church hurt, a lot of church splits. A lot of the church growth in our city has been driven by wounds in the church. And so we really saw an opportunity for the bride of Christ to look more beautiful and and just go after the nations in a way specifically that, that we're shaped to do in a unique way and, and really be completely dependent upon prayer. I mean, I, I literally wouldn't be sitting here um, if it weren't for this man next to me. He, he was an answer to prayer in, in such powerful ways. Um, How's going it's it's a grind in year two. Okay. We planted in the midst of a pandemic and the pandemic's still on. I don't know if y'all know that, but uh, we are, man, we're grinding. It, it's been a challenge. I think Josh Foliart said it really well. He said, you know, the two, the second year's tough because you're not new and you're still not big. <laughs> and so it's kind of like the terrible twos with being a baby. You're still trying to learn how to walk, still trying to run, still trying to do all that. Um, but yeah, please pray for us. Please pray with us. We're so thankful for what God's done in the community here and in our gatherings. It's been a huge blessing to be a part of this movement.
0: Pastor Chester Berry Hill, let, let me ask you this question. It's, it's pretty long, um, so take your time. You grew up in a different era. So tell us about uh, what it was like to grow up in the South, particularly in Memphis. What were some of the struggles? and some of the challenges.
3: Growing up in Memphis, I grew up on the on the bluff. Literally, I grew up on the bluff of the Mississippi River, literally. Uh, our neighborhood, which was taken over for the interstate to come through, it was a great place to grow up and we had a mixed community. But when we moved, my first encounter with racism was going to a park. It was a park that a community park. It was it was run and by the Memphis Park Commission. So I and two of my friends, we walking through the park, we're getting excited about having a park. We never had a park before, not had me. And no sooner than we walked a few feet in there. This group of white guys came, and we looked at them. Some of them guys was as big as a hook. <laughs> and we, we thought they were coming to us to maybe play some uh, hockey or uh, uh, play a game. And they started throwing out these racial, uh, telling us to get out. And, boy, we could, I mean, we, we started running. So that was my first experience, really, with racism as a youth growing up. And at the time I was probably in the seventh grade and it's just been an ongoing thing every since. And so I grew up at a time in the fifties uh, and sixties, when this was right before the civil rights act and, 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 and the civil rights marches, and before then, I was at a church where the people that were in the involved in the movement would come and give their testimonies at church. I remember distinctly. I was only in the eighth or ninth grade, but uh, and I may have even been in the tenth grade. But this man came to church, gave a testimony because he was signing up people to to vote in Mississippi. He had been. Uh, picked up by the sheriff, taken to a field with other people in the Ku Klux Klan, nailed down with ropes on his hand, and one by one, they came by and defecated in his face, kicked him and broke some several ribs, almost broke his leg. He said that they were trying to break his leg and guess his bones was too hard. And then they picked him up and beat him and told him, don't ever cross that state line again." Well, these guys were coming to our church, telling these stories. And that's when I was aware that we were in a movement. And I look back now over all of those things, and I'm looking at what's going on now. Then you had people who did what they wanted to do because they knew that there was no about it to answer to. Now I'm seeing that there's a tremendous change. There's a tremendous change because the populace is no longer allowing the the minority of racist people to run their attitudes, their altitudes and they're just not accepting. And I believe there was a civil rights movement that put all of these atrocities on the TV where people could look and see that in a nonviolent movement that these people were being bitten by dogs, little girls, 12 years old, uh, women were being kicked in the stomach uh, stomped on. When they saw this kind of violence for nonviolent people, even though they did not identify with it, the Christ in them overruled what their leaders, their political leaders and other leaders, and sometimes their family grandfathers and fathers were saying. And so I've seen a whole lot of things that took place that are no longer taking place on that level.
0: Pastor, how long long have you been a pastor? Have you served as a shepherd?
3: Uh, About 42 years.
0: So for 42 years, you have shepherded your flock. I want you to shepherd us right now. And and I want you um, to tell us what still needs to be done. I love what you said, that people who had Christ in them said no to this. What still needs to be done? Shepherd us
3: in this moment. Well, I'm not trying to uh, put a feather in your cap. but. I believe, I don't believe it, I know it because you could not be even inviting a Josh in a Chester to talk. You would not be inquiring about what needs to be done if it were not for the Christ in you. So here's, and this is not a platitude, people just don't want to give Christ credit for the power that he gives us. But the truth of the matter is the only, only answer, the only answer is that we need to preach Christ, live Christ, and trust Christ. Because it is when we recognize that we have the same heavenly father, we have to also recognize that we are brothers and sisters. And the only thing that is going to heal us, the only thing that brings about reconciliation is Jesus Christ. There is nothing else. I can't go with politics because some people are Democrats, some are Republicans, and some are are nothing. I I can't go with money because you make $1,000 a minute, I make a penny a minute. Can't go with that, can't go with where you live. You live out in the suburbs with five acres and I'm still living in a a tenement house or, or I'm homeless. And so there's nothing else that unifies us. There's not, We can't go with color. You're white, now I'm black. So what else can we go by? The only thing that unifies us and the only thing that levels the playing field is Jesus Christ. So what can we do? Sanitize the poor people. Purify the preachers. Reach out in love. The only thing that we can do is be like Jesus Christ. He came to save the whole world. I know the Jews wanted to have him for themselves. But he said, no, I came. He came into his own and his own received or not. And so he brought us in. And I don't care whether we come in grafted or drafted. It doesn't matter as long as you get in. So what can we do? Love like Christ loved. Preach what Christ what Christ preached and not be ashamed of the gospel the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can't do the social gospel. We can't do the political gospel. We can't do anything else. We preach everything in the pulpit except Jesus Christ and his love. And Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you have love one for another. That's not preached and it's not practiced. And if we're going to make any progress, that's what's lacking.
0: Wow. Josh, as I sit here and listen to this, um, I'm incredibly jealous that this man is one of your mentors, and he lives 30 minutes away. Wow! Thank you, thank you, Pastor. Not only for your words, but for the impact you've had on New Heights Memphis and on the Germany family. We're so grateful that you're one of our one of our elders, one of one of um, one of the men on our leadership team. Thank you so much. What I want Josh to do now is, if you don't mind, would you just pray for Pastor Barry Hill and his ministry and his continued
2: strategic voice in Memphis? Yes, let's pray. Oh, Father God, I just thank you for my brother. Lord, he is my brother. I just thank you that you would allow someone like me to walk with someone like him, someone who has walked in shoes that I can only admire and and gone down roads that would shake me to my core and have to walk down. But he's walked with Martin Luther King and so many great men in our city. He's loved Memphis tangibly in a powerful, powerful way. And Lord, I just see even now your Holy Spirit just speaking life over him and speaking words over his church, Lord. The hospitality that's here at First Baptist Lauderdale, Lord, I know that people here are your disciples because of the love that his congregation has for one another. Lord, they feel like they feel like family whenever I get to get together with them. And I'm so beyond thankful for the ministry that you've given him, for the just ministry that you've given this church for the historical place in our city that it maintains. But Lord, not just a historical place, but a relevant and now oriented place where they're still feeding the poor. They're still clothing the orphan and the widow. They're still caring for the sick and biting up the broken. Lord, I just pray that you would continue to anoint the latter years of Pastor Chester's ministry even greater than the former years. Um, and Lord, that you would just bring revival from our city Lord, bring reconciliation to our city. And Lord, bring your gospel through our city, that the high places that the enemy brags from right now would just be laid low, that the Bluff City would stop bluffing in this year. Lord, that, that she would stand up to her kingdom identity, who you called her to be, and that she would stand up and walk forth in your glory, in your grace, and by your name, and by your blood, Jesus. We just love you. We thank you so much for the chance to be together as brothers. In we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor Josh, Pastor Chester. Bless you all. Well,
3: bless you and bless New Heights.
0: I wish you, I wish you all were there because when we finished that segment, he said, "Hey, um, do me a favor, turn off the camera, uh, not the camera, but the recording." And uh, and for another fifteen minutes, in a great, powerful way, he preached to Josh Graber and I, who were conducting the interview, and encouraged our socks off. What a blessing! What a blessing that man is. Hey, um, just a reminder to those of you who don't know, um, we support the values of Dr. Martin Luther King, um, who labored and eventually gave his life for those values. You can read more about this on our website under Core Values. We also do this through personal relationships with collaboration with African American pastors and church staff locally and in other towns like Memphis. We do it internationally through our financial support of the International Justice Mission. Um, We also do it through our support of tangible ministries right here in in Faithville, like Potter's House and the affordable housing initiative known as the Cobblestone Farm Community. This last year we spent over $25,000 from our church planning budget on New Heights, Memphis. And do me a favor, be praying for New Heights Memphis as they just launched their very own Beautiful Life's boutique in Memphis. Prophets will go to support Christian organizations in Memphis that are focused on racial reconciliation and blessing the community in tang- tangible, practical ways. At this time, I would like one of our elders, Trey Robbins, to come up and to, to pray for us. Uh, I've asked Trey to pray the same prayer he wrote out last year. Now he's, he's added to that, he's edited that, and I think it's an unbelievably powerful prayer. So while he's praying, be praying for Sanctity of, of Life Sunday. Be praying for biblical racial reconciliation to take place. Um, but I want you to see this prayer behind me as he prays.
4: morning, New Heights. Would you bow your heads with me, please, as we pray? Father, the last two years have left many of us overwhelmed with loss and grief, and it's easy to become depressed and jaded by our current circumstances. So we ask that you help us avoid despair. You are righteous and faithful in all That you do and you promise to remain near to all who seek you and call on you fill us with your spirit Lord so that we may love you with our heart mind soul and strength you call on us to love our neighbors as ourselves and so today we ask that you empower us to fulfill that commandment give us eyes to truly see our neighbors the unborn are our neighbors Expectant mothers who do not believe that they can care for their children are our neighbors. Women who have had an abortion are our neighbors. And We pray today for the end of abortion in this country. May it end soon. It is you, Father, who knits those unborn babies in their mother's wombs. And you have plans and purposes for their lives. For those women who are pregnant and who feel hopeless, overwhelmed, and alone, please wrap your arms around them. Remind them of your love for them and for their unborn children and surround them with people who will care for them and their children, both during and after their pregnancies. Lord, please comfort also those women who have already had an abortion, who may feel as though that choice makes them unfit for your love or for Christian fellowship. That feeling is a lie from Satan. All of us are broken in some way, but hallelujah, your love and forgiveness are available to us through Christ who loved us and gave himself up for us. Father, love of our neighbor is also at the heart of the need for racial reconciliation within the American church. Any diminishment of one ethnicity in favor of another is the sin of racism. We ask that you strengthen us to utterly reject that sin. Racism has haunted America in different forms for many years, and sadly the church in America has not been exempt from that sin. This should not be so. Your word makes it clear that you made all of us in your image, and you are glorified by the beautiful diversity in your creation. Everywhere, but especially within your Church, ethnic partiality is to be condemned. We are the family of God, sons and daughters of the Most High King and younger brothers and sisters of the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Father, please give those of us in the majority culture ears to hear our minority brothers and sisters in Christ when they tell us of their pain. Please give us eyes to see racial injustice in all its forms. If we have personally participated in racism, open our eyes to that sin. Give us the courage to repent of that sin and grant that those we have wronged would be willing to forgive us. You have already reconciled us to yourself through Christ, so please grant us humility and wisdom as we seek paths of reconciliation within the church. Jesus prayed that your church would be one, and we know that someday we will worship you forever with people from every nation, tribe, and tongue. May we act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with you in this as in all things, so we may offer the world a glimpse of that future kingdom. We love you, Lord. We ask all of these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.